Hi, I'm Chris Waddell. Every week we do a Q&A with interesting and accomplished members of the adaptive community to find how they persevered, how they innovated, how they built communities, and how they found solutions. Welcome to the Name Tags Chat Podcast. Welcome to the Name Tags Chat, One Revolution Name Tags Chat. Today, we have my good friend, Eric Kondo on. Eric is, you know, I mean, to, to categorize Eric is, is a bit of a challenge. He's, a, he's an athlete. He's a thinker. He's, a, he's an inventor. He's a tweaker. He's not, not tweaker in that sense, I guess. I'm not allowed to say that, I guess, but, uh, but, but likes to tweak How and change things. And stuff. I'm a hacker. How's that? You're a hacker. I'm fine exactly. with hacking. Yeah. Hacking, exactly. But uh, but no, he's, he's a guy who, who takes things and flips them on their head. And what I was thinking about as I was putting this whole thing together, we have we have a school presentation with One Revolution called Name Tags. And Donna Volpitta, who, who works with me and created the program, came up with what she calls the four S's of resilience. First one's about self. And the question is, there are questions we can ask ourselves when things are difficult. Am I a victim or am I a survivor? The situation. Is it overwhelming or a challenge? Support, am I alone or part of a team? And do I have one strategy or many? And I was thinking about talking to you and thinking, wow, like you, you cover all of those. I mean, you're, you're, you are the guy who's looking at every single situation going, I am most certainly a survivor. The situation is a challenge. We're going to find a way to make something really cool about it. I'm not alone. I mean, you, you have somebody that you work with on the technical side, creating, creating your, your things. Uh, and, then, and then you have a variety of different strategies to get to do what you want to do. So for the audience out there to take a step back, I first met Eric back in 1993. He came to a ski camp that Sarah, Will, and I were doing a mono ski camp in Vail, Colorado. And we were going, we did the camp during the day, then we had a video session, and then Eric and I were going to go to the gym to go work out. And we left the hotel, and it was one of those hotels, it was kind of like a horseshoe hotel, and across the way was where the gym was, and we went out the door, and we're confronted by a flight of stairs. And I said, oh, okay, well, we can, we can turn around, we can go back the other way. And Eric was like, no, 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 this is totally cool, we can go up these stairs, and he went, and went up the stairs as easily as anybody walks up the stairs. I mean, just in complete not quite control. That well, not to you, but to me, it looked completely that easily. And the thing is, uh, grab onto, and we'll show a video of it. Grabbed onto the uh, to the railing with one hand, and the then that same wheel, so the wheel opposite of the hand, so left left hand to right wheel, and pulled and pushed. And, and went up them so easily and said, look, this is, this is great. And, and I remember I made it up. I think I made it up almost to the top. And then I made the fateful error because you start running out of railing at the right. top. So yeah, you yeah. can't reach back as far as you want to. So I grabbed onto the railing with two hands. Which and my chair scooted out from underneath me and rolled and tumbled to the bottom. And you kind of looked at me from the top and went, well, your only choice is to go back down and come up and do it again. And, and so, uh, so to me, that, that climbing stairs was something that I thought was so cool because you do it in such a clean and controlled way. You've done what the 50, 51 
story. Yeah, it was a, a tower in Atlanta uh, at the time. It was the IBM building, and uh, it's 50 stories. And I did that as part of a, a fundraiser back in the day when I was living in Atlanta. So, you know, I mean, I found climbing stairs, I mean, doing, uh, well, fortunately, over the years, I have to do a lot less. So, uh, but certainly I did a lot more when I was younger. And it, it was certainly, you know, fairly practical, you know, not, uh, and I would need a really good railing, but um, it certainly came in handy. How did you get good at it? Did you just well, so, say, I'm going to get good and go practice or how well, did it work? So first of all, I didn't come up with the technique. I learned it from somebody else. Uh, this guy uh -huh. showed up when I was in rehab <clears throat> back in um, 84. And, you know, at this time, I think was, I might even been on a gurney and he just demonstrated it uh, a few steps literally as he was leaving. So I, I got an idea what it was all about, but I really didn't understand the technique. Um, I got good at it when I did semester in London. Um, one of the things when I went to London, I said, look, you know, I don't care where I go, just put me in an accessible dorm. So what do they do? They put me in a dorm that had like six steps to, to literally just to get in the front door of the dorm, you know? So, and you know, these are outside steps and it's London. You this know, is so London where it's wet and rainy. And, right, yeah. right, exactly. So, and then, so there was that those steps that I was dealing with all the time, but then really, um, you know, in order to get around London, you have to do tubes. And for the most part, you're talking about lots of escalators and lots of stairs. So, you know, in, in doing uh, it, well, and being in London for a semester, I really had to do stairs all the time. So that's, I would say that's pretty much where I kind of perfected the technique and, and got pretty good at it. Out, out, of out of necessity. Yeah, yeah, out of necessity, right. Yeah, so this is, you know, th uh, this is actually a, a relatively easy set of stairs because they're not that steep. But um, this is, again, th this method I call the railing side uh, wheel control method that, that you're grabbing. Uh, the, it's the wheel and the arm that you're using are all on the same side. And if you, if you can see that again, it's really important to twist your body as much as you can so that uh, you're trying to put your, your arm, so, so I'm bringing my two arms together, I'm getting a lot of lift out of my right arm. So it's not just pulling with my left, there's really a lot of driving um, coming from that right arm. And, and that's really important. Um, and of course with this, you know, you have, to have, you have to have your chair set up so that you can balance in a wheelie pretty easily. So, you know, it, it's definitely, it's a combination of strength and, and technique and it works. Um, I will say it's much more practical uh, in general. If you have somebody who's pulling from behind, they don't have to be that strong. So what's nice about this technique is if you're out with one person, um, they can stand behind you sideways and pull a little bit and you can efficiently go up the stairs uh, and it's a lot safer because instead of having one person try to just pull you and, you have, and you're not holding onto the railing um, and if they slip, you're going down. In this way, if somebody slips, you're holding on to the railing. It might be a little bit messy, but you're not going to take that big tumble. Um, and like you talked about the tumble that you took, right? You didn't tumble. Your chair tumbled. My it's chair tumbled, right? yes. You don't want to tumble. You know, if something's going to tumble, it should, it, you, you want it to be your chair. And as long as you're always holding on to the railing, that's not going to happen. Exactly, exactly. And the thing is that, you know, your chair is going to, your chair is going to make it. Yeah. And, and, but it is, but it is, uh, the hardest part is always that top part of the railing where you right. run out of the railing Absolutely. and you can't reach back as far yeah. as yeah, far as you'd like. Trick. 
but but the technique looking at that technique and looking at the strength and because we went to the gym and i think you ended up using like the restroom at the gym as well which was down another floor and you went back down the stairs and then came up the stairs and and i i thought it was pretty i thought it was pretty impressive so i, I was probably frustrated from doing a crappy job at skiing and, and and i was like oh can't ski but at least i can climb stairs that's probably i'm guessing that was my frame of mind at the, at, at the time point so uh, my, I, I don't know. I'm yeah. not going to comment on that. All I was right. just impressed with the stare part of it. So, but, but it really is a mindset because I mean, the funny thing about looking at that, uh, looking at that video is that the stairs were right there and, and people could say, well, but there's a ramp right, right on the other side. <laughs> like, why don't you take the ramp? And, but part of it is that, that you can get to places that are not, that, that where there aren't a ramp, like where you right. go to London and, the, and you're going up the stairs. And, and so much of what you've done, I mean, you're talking about how, how like the, you know, wheelchairs often are set up for, set up for a static environment, you know, like the right. curb cuts, sidewalks, you know, paved environment. But that's not the world, right? Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have a whole, whole theory and a whole document on, on what I call static stability and dynamic stability. Um, and, and wheelchairs are set up for static stability. And static stability is, well, you know, when, you sit, when you're not moving, you want to be stable. When you're sitting in a, in a regular chair, you have static stability. When you're moving, you want dynamic stability. And, and I'm going to use, I'm going to bring in skiing um, because I think it's an excellent example of, of this illustration, right? So when you're skiing, it's all about dynamic stability. The fact that you're moving makes you more stable. Would you agree? Sure, I agree 100%, yes. Right, exactly. So you need, so, so in this case, your movement, your speed, your turning, all of that stuff is what is, is creating dynamic stability. But that being said, if you're a mono skier, right? So, it, so a lot of the static stability depends on your level of injury. Or, or if you're an amputee, you know, or whatever it might be, it's not an injury, but you know, uh, level of trunk control. And so people are going to need different levels of static stability. In this case, it's your seat, your, the height of your seat, uh, you know, it's gonna be your strapping system. Is it, is it a waist strap only? Is it a chest strap? Is it a uh, uh, shoulder straps? All of those create static stability, right? So, you need both of them, but um, so for someone with a higher level of injury, they they need more static stability. So in order to create dynamic stability, right? So think about yourself for a minute. So you got you have a chest strap, right? I do, I do have okay. a chest strap, and and actually it's kind of funny that you talk you're talking about this because the way I describe to people how I ski, and this leads into exactly what you're talking about is that it's a controlled fall. That I'm yeah. falling, I pick myself up, make the turn, falling, pick myself up. You know, it's kind of right, right, yeah. right. So, so, so here's a question for you. So, right before the race, your worst enemy sneaks in <clears throat> and cuts away your chest strap. What happens to your skiing? It would it be diminished significantly. Right, yes. right. So in this case, <clears throat> so what I'm so in this case, the you need that static stability <clears throat> to create. The dynamic stability, right? Right. Okay. Sure. <clears throat> Another scenario. So they they undo your chest strap and put it up five inches higher. 
you you get on the ski, you don't know. You what happens? I couldn't make a turn because uh, because I was put into an entirely different position. I mean, it would be it'd be a huge challenge to and you're to locked make a turn in, right? You're locked in. Locked, you can't. Yep, exactly. Because I was locked in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So now you have too much static stability. Yep. So there's really a, every person has a happy medium. There's 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 a point. It can't be too much, and it's and it's too little. And when you have that exact amount that works for you, that creates the greatest dynamic stability. So that's kind of the, the whole point of, of, of this is to understanding that you need both um, in order to, you know, to create the most mobility. It's not one or the other. It's really figuring out what works for you. It's going to be different for me, it's for you and everybody else. So that's kind of the whole point of um, trying to get people to think about those two different aspects. Right, because it's, it's personal preference, but then it's also... Uh, it, it's also it's also the level of injury, and 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 then then it is also probably how willing you are to 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 be uncomfortable in right. in, in your in your position. You know, I mean, I think there's some people who are who are willing to to be a little less comfortable. I mean, like like for me in skiing, angulation is the biggest thing. You know, if I can, if I can get that angulation, but if I'm completely locked in, I feel relatively secure sitting there, but the dynamic stability that you're talking about, I'm not able to get my ski on edge, which creates the dynamic stability that you're talking about. Because when I create that platform, when I have that ski on edge, and then, then I'm actually in a controlled position and a controlled position with regard to a lot of things with regard to, with regard to the turn but also regard, with regard to any terrain or any bumps or any of those kinds of things, I'm in a much, a much stronger position as a result of that dynamic position. Right, right. And, and what I think is interesting is you can, so, so we understand this. Everyone seems to intuitively understand this in terms of, of skiing, right? I mean, it is really right. pretty well sure. understood for the most part. But then you sure. take a wheelchair, right, which is really kind of, the, is really the same thing. And people are like, uh, I don't get it. And you know, what I say to people is that, look, um, and you just mentioned this, that there is a lot of times an inverse relationship between comfort and mobility, right? In other words, what's more comfortable than a lazy boy couch, right? I mean, come on, you sit on the couch, stretch your feet out, right? It is super comfortable. You can't move. Um, you're if, your chair, if your chair is really that comfortable, it, it's probably set up in a way that it's not as mobile as it could be. Because to me, uh, a well set up chair with your center of balance and so forth is not going to be super comfortable to sit in all the time. So there is a trade off. And I think what happens is that people are thinking only in terms of comfort and not in terms of mobility. Um, because, because effectively, you know, the medical industry, everybody thinks about static stability, not dynamic stability in terms of wheelchairs, uh, which is just a different way of thinking about it. Right, and your contention is that it's it's a difference between uh, it, it's actually it's it's moving, right? You know, I mean, so so static is that that we are staying in one place versus versus actually moving and and performance and and those kinds of things being being on the top of our list. You know, our chair allowing us to move and and be dynamic. Exactly, and even if you're moving, so if you think about static stability. Um, 
it doesn't really matter so much on a flat surface like a hospital floor, which is perfectly smooth and easy to roll on, right? right. You know, if your chair, if, if, if we stabilized your chair by pulling, pulling your wheels back, right? So that you couldn't mm -hmm. really do a wheelie, we threw in some wheelie bars, right? Gave you some armrests, you know, all of that, all those kind of things. It wouldn't really hurt your performance in a hospital setting, right? You wouldn't notice mm -hmm. it. Now we're gonna take you outside, you know, to your lake house that you were talking to me earlier about, where probably there's some kind of hills there that are steep, you know, and there's bumps and there's Dirt rocks and there's pivots, and, yep. you know, and all of a sudden you're screwed because you just can't pop a wheelie when you want to. You got too much weight on your front casters. They dig in and you flip over, right? Like there's a steep hill that you want to wheelie down. You can't wheelie down it, you know, because you got wheelie bars, like all of those things. So the 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 mobility really matters you know, in certain environments. So if you stay in a in in a um, an accessible environment, it's not really going to matter. But when you push those limits and go to other areas, then it's re then how your chair is set up and your ability to manage uh, the chair really becomes important. It is. It is. Um, yeah. And so so let's let's transition into into some of the vehicles that you've developed as well because you spent a lot of time in a wheelie on like, say your longboard. All right, so, so this is you. This is me on, on a landboard. trail, I'm assuming by your house. Uh, okay. Well, it, it's, an, it's a, I, I drove there. Um, but yeah, so this is on a, okay. um, I'm on a landboard there. Um, that, that was a pretty cool trail. That was, that, that was uh, four, four miles from where I parked my car. So the land board is, is pretty uh, good for, for getting around on, 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 on trails um, like this. Okay. So, so questions about this. So, so you have power assist on this or you, you have a motor. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not power. It is 100% power and I have a remote in my right hand. Um, so this is a, this is a remote controlled electric skateboard land board. It's got um, two motors um, and seven inch you know, wheels, there's some suspension there, which enables it to get over that kind of terrain. It's a giant skateboard with big wheels and two motors, so, which is what you need for, for you know, any kind of terrain that's rough. And that, that was somewhat rough, so. And the part that you're doing is that you are, so, so by going back and forth on, on your wheelie, you are you are controlling it. You're turning it right. left and right. Exactly. So 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 in a lot of ways, a, a skateboard is very similar to a snowboard uh, in that, except for the torque action. So you know you have toe pressure and heel pressure, right? So in the wheelie, you have forward pressure and you have back pressure. And and what do you you're doing nothing other than changing your center of balance. So when you have toe pressure or forward pressure, then you're going to turn to the right. And when you have back pressure, you're going to turn to the left. So that, so that is the mechanism for controlling um, a skateboard um, is, is really forward and backwards pressure, which you can do with a wheelie. And of course, speed and uh, acceleration and deceleration is done with your remote, remote control that you're holding in your hand. So I use my finger to control that. And can that, can, will that actually stop? Do you have brakes as yes. well? Or is yes. it kind of like- you Yeah, no, you can stop, yeah. So when I first started, I was using non-motorized versions, uh, which was just, I just took a land, uh, a regular long board and, and put brackets on it. Uh, but the thing about it is, as a practical matter, you know, it's, it's not so practical because number one, 
uh, you can't stop. Um, and you have to, you know, you have to do it. You have to find a hill that's not too fast because it's too fast, you're going to die because you can't stop and slow down, you know. So it, it wasn't that practical, but it was a great way to learn. Um, but once I recognized that, oh, this is that, this actually has, could be functional, you just got to put a motor on it. Um, and, and electric, you know, electric skateboarding is a thing. So it just kind of, it worked out very well. Uh, my first versions I had to make. Uh, this version I bought and, and modified, but there there are still some customized um, aspects of, of that board. And so in the customized, you have two metal rails that go down the side of the board that basically right. kind of keep you I, in a wheelie? I, yeah, I call, I call them wheel wells. They're basically four five-inch brackets, five-inch long, uh, an inch and a half high, and separated by 10 inches. That's, that, that is the size of a wheel well you need for a standard 25-inch uh, wheel. And you just, so in order to get on there, you're popping a wheelie, you're jumping up, you're landing in the wheel well, right? And because of that, it holds your wheels. It doesn't lock it, doesn't lock it permanently. Um, but, you know, there's enough resistance there that you can create forward and back pressure. So if you, if you press too far, you roll off and then you crash. So that's the thing. There, there's a happy medium. It's like, you know, you're on there, but you're not on there that tight. Uh, future versions might have, you know, locking your wheels in. Um, I, I can see that having a lot of potential, uh, particularly for a land board where you need a lot more torque. And again, if you think about, it's the same thing as skiing, right? If you're skiing on a perfectly carpeted surface, you barely use your outriggers, right? right? Like you could just barely touch them down that's like being on a uh, on a long board on a smooth path but if you're on you know uh, choppy terrain you're working hard right exactly yeah you end up or or when you're going slowly yeah. you know when when there are a whole bunch of people at the bottom of the hill and you're trying to avoid everybody that's when so, so this is now this, this is, is the a, skateboard that we have exactly this is a lot just to be technical this is a long board. A long so board. most people yep. don't bring a long board to a skateboard park, but the, this is the long board. I actually have a, a, a skateboard, it's shorter, but what I found was I have more stability. This is this whole static stability. I can go faster on this long board than I could on the skateboard, and I needed the speed in order to um, be able to do those ramps and so forth. Um, okay. The other thing is that I have a special truck on the front of that thing called a surf adapter, which allows it to turn much sharper than a regular longboard. So it had, uh, so 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 that's really important to have the maneuverability. You in the skate park, you need to have maneuverability. Otherwise, you're just going to launch yourself. You know, if you can't turn, you're going to launch yourself off a, yeah, off a ramp that you didn't want to do. You know. It's like you can imagine skiing, right? And and you're in a half pipe, and and you want to turn, and you didn't. Then you know where would you go? Right. Yeah. Where right. would you land? Is the question. Yes. Where way. Where would you land? Right. Yeah. Um. So so what are the other? Um. So just can can I draw an analogy just on the uh, on yeah. your rails? And it, it's kind of like when you uh, when you pour the salt out, right? You just pour the salt onto the table, and you can and you can uh, and you can put the you can balance the salt shaker on like on an angle as opposed to straight up and down. I mean, this is kind of what you're doing, right? Where it's sort of supporting you so you're upright. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure about the salt shaker thing. It sounds like a <laughs> sounds like a bar thing that you do. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's it, you know the rails are wheel chocks. 
effectively. And when your yeah. wheels are chocked, then if you think about it, because you're in your, I'm assuming you're in your chair right now, right? Yeah, if, you're, if your wheels are chocked, then, then what is your seat other than something that hinges back and forth, right? Right. So you think yeah. about it, right? It's, it, 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 right, it, you're it, locked it, in. It's only one moving part instead of, yes. Right, so, so, so now your wheelie, doesn't, your wheelie doesn't depend on you moving the wheels like it typically does but it's still the same balance. You have to have forward balance and you have to have balance, backward balance. So it's really the same thing. Um, so those wheel rails really enable, uh, enable the balancing, enable the, the chair to balance. Now, a lot of people, I, I have gotten a lot of shit over the years because um, I've been doing this for about five years and people telling me it's wrong and why, Eric, why are you going sideways? You should be going forwards and all this stuff. <clears throat> and the, the thing is, this whole system is based on going sideways. It's based on, you know, my wanting to go sideways, me wanting to do it in the wheelie, and also me not wanting to, um, I, I want to have my chair at all times. Like, I get off it, I have my chair. You know, you can people take this are, to a restaurant, go have go have lunch, and it doesn't matter, right? Then, you can be like everyone else. Right. You can hop on it and hop off it. You know, literally in seconds. Um, and and so I wanted something completely different, and that's kind of how this all. So all these other things that uh, that you have video of the skimboarding, you know, the the hoverboard and so forth. These are all based on me trying to think about the different things that you can you can the different. Um, mobility devices you can control through the use of, of a, a wheelie as the primary control method um, and, and incorporating balance. Exactly. So Dave Gillespie actually anticipated my next question and, and talking about, is, is it hard to hold a wheelie for that long? I mean, it's, this, this gets to be a bit of a workout, right? I mean, you do have a motor, but it's got to be a workout. Right. So, so, I mean, that's a good question. You know, it, it is a workout uh, to some degree, depending on how long you're going, going for. So yes. And, and the more the difficult terrain, for instance, for the land, the, you know, land boarding, um, you're, you're working a little bit harder, right? Um, you know, I get off it to stretch out my back and so forth. Um, and also, it, you know, it can be a little bit stressful. I mean, I've ridden my land board over 40 miles um, on this really long bike ride. It was multiple hours. At one stretch. Yeah, yeah. It was multiple hours, but it was a thing, you know. So, but the other thing is, it's it's nice to get off and 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 relax your mind, because particularly if you're going, you know, fairly fast, it can be a little bit stressful. If you're on a road and you're going fast, you're just waiting for that pothole that you're going to hit, you know. So one of the things I notice is that I'm actually, if if I move and if you, I'm going to go back to skiing again for you, right? Like if you right. ski. And you turn, you're more relaxed. If you just try to go straight, it's like you're just waiting for that thing to hit you and you're going to fall, you know? But once you start moving, you get into the flow. And so I found that I'm mentally more relaxed when I'm moving and steering back and forth as opposed to just trying to hold it straight. So, Because you can't really go straight. I mean, straight is straight is harder than turning, probably. You, you, no, no, straight is not, except that you have to hold it really still. And what I'm saying right. is that there's there, there, there's more relaxation in movement than there is in and, being static. Because when you're static, you're just waiting to hit the bump, and you go from not moving to hitting that bump. And again, if, if you think of skiing, like once you're going, 
and moving and you're into the flow, you don't really care about little bumps, right? Because you're just like dealing with it. But if you're just waiting for that bump, then you're just like, oh my God, is this going to be the one that knocks me over? So movement makes it more relaxing than just trying to hold it static. That's and and so that was the other part of his question is is it easier once you are moving and it is easier absolutely. once you're moving and once yeah, you're just like once you are like a ski yep. and a bicycle absolutely it's definitely easier when you're moving yes one of the hardest parts is getting on yeah now we don't unfortunately we don't have we don't have the video we didn't take the video of of you getting on I did see the video of you yeah. doing that where you described it's like. It's like getting getting up a curb where you sort of, you know, and, and people would do that with their bikes, right? Where they, they get the front wheel up and they roll up and that's effectively what we do in yeah. order to get up a curb. It's just a little bit shorter wheelbase for us. So, so it's a little bit, you know, timing is a little bit more precise. But in order to do this, you're getting on, but you're also getting onto it and staying in a wheelie as you're going up on a curb. Right. So, so the trick, the trick of getting on and that, and that definitely takes practice. Um, and, and I'm not one for one for getting on regardless of how many times I do it. This guy can never just always get on reliably. Um, so you're popping a wheelie and you're, you're popping on there. Um, and then yes, if you go too fast, you're going to overshoot, if, you know, so, and, and again, it, you, it's, it's a little tricky because, you know, if you, when you overshoot, you're also, you know, if you can think like once you jump on that thing, you're a little bit trapped. But if you're if you you're, you're trapped and then your 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 front of your uh, chair drops down, so you know what happens when the back of your chair is up and your front of your chair drops down, like you launch, right? So so there's just really you know uh, again, it's just a matter of practice. Um, for the land board, I worked with MIT to create these little ramps um, that that come down that make it a little bit easier. Um, okay. And the reason for that was jumping on, getting up on, on, on as you know, jumping a curb um, on, from cement is, not, is, is much easier than try to jumping a curb from grass, right? You can just never sure. get fast enough. That's why I needed these little ramps in the, from the, for, the long, uh, for the land board because I'm pretty much always leaving from grass or dirt or gravel. So I couldn't really generate much speed. And so it's that, a little bit higher, right? Those, those yeah, wheels are a little it, bit bigger. Exactly. It's a little bit higher and so forth. Um, so that's how we, you know, we came up with that. But the bottom line is it's still, you're, you're running at the thing, you're jumping on and, and you're just trying to stop and just hold your position. Uh, and then, you know, get your balance um, and then get started. Now, I will say that electric board is easier than when I started with the non-electric board because I would start on a hill. So as soon as I jumped on it, the thing would move. And which is mean <laughs> I wouldn't be settled. I, I wouldn't really be settled and it would start to move. Um, this is probably one of the reasons why I'm sure that I, I felt probably a hundred, if not 200 times learning how to, how to do this, you know, um, and, and, you know, so it, it didn't take me, it took me a long time. Now, there's a guy doing it right now, Evan, who, who got a hold of me. He's a younger guy. He's a T10, and he's flying. And, and he learned this, like, really quick, you know. But I will say that I felt a lot, you know. 
what kept you going when you when you kept falling you know i mean because what was the so, what was the passion or what was the so well you know in so before i started this um i was i've always been interested in balance um, you know balancing things you know i have a two-wheeled hand cycle um that is you know um, from 93 you know so basically when we met right so that's an old bike um and i've always liked balancing and i think this is probably why you like skiing so much right because sure. and and i'll ask you this so w what is it that you like about skiing the biggest thing is the feeling of making a turn i mean it's 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 just that so many elements go into it but it's that feeling of everything coming together in the turn it's it's a sense of purity it's it's artistry it's uh okay that, right you know. which, which which is a sense of flow and balance right yep exactly. so you like that so let me ask you this what if you had little outriggers out while you were, you were skiing so you couldn't fall over? Would making that turn be as fun? It probably would not be, no. Yeah, exactly. It wouldn't be right? as pure. It right. wouldn't be as pure because, because when you make a turn that's balanced, you're weightless, right? If you think right. about it, the way you're, you're weightless, because if you, if you go to one side, you fall to one side, you go to the other side, you fall to the other side, but right in the middle, there's that one spot where, and there's no drag, right? Now, when you're in a wheelchair, to me, there's drag all the time. When I say drag, when you go down, when you turn in your chair, does it feel like skiing? No. You know? No. There, there, there's like, this is what I mean by this drag of turn, right? When you're skiing, you just float around that corner. Well, it's the same thing with skateboarding. And yeah, so there is no there is no feeling of drag. It's the same thing with the two wheeled hand cycle when you turn. The reason you, I, I want to do this is because I knew that there was some I wanted something that was balance related, and I was experimenting with all this wheelie stuff, but it just wasn't that interesting, you know. And then all of a sudden, I didn't come up with the idea of the skateboarding, you know. Uh, um, Antonio from uh, <clears throat> Germany. He, I saw a video of him doing it on a regular longboard, and I was like, "That's interesting." So, uh, and that's all, you know. Then, I, then I was like, "I gotta figure this out," you know. So, what I'm saying is, to me, it's the feeling, the ability to balance creates that feeling that makes it fun, and and I, I wanted to achieve that. Uh, so you were back to being like a little kid like uh like learning how to ride your bike like I, I want this feeling i want to be able to ride my bike i don't care how many times i have to fall i'm going right. to i'm going to figure out how to do it and which is which is great and it, it's always in some ways hard to be the pioneer right to be the first one because so many people are saying eric you can't do this like it's not going to happen yeah and, you know well, I, I will say that it's it, less so you can't do it is more that eric that's a stupid why are you doing it this way? Why don't you do it this way? It's never going to work. It's dangerous. It's this, it's that. I, I, I was. I, I will tell you that I'm, I've been honestly surprised about the number of negative stuff that I've gotten. You know, when I did, it's the same thing. I created a snowboard system. You know, and because I thought, well, this is cool. Why don't I try this? To me, this is this is all, a lot of this is just an intellectual experience. Can I make something that works? You know, will it ever be as good as the monoski? Absolutely not. Does it matter? Who cares? I wanted to see if it worked. I wanted to see if the physics would work. Could I make it work? How would it feel? And at the same time, my daughter was snowboarding. 
So was, we went to, you know, the bunny hills together and I, I could actually understand snowboarding and explain it to her, right? None of this would have happened, which, which is completely different than had I gone with her in my monoski. And I've had multiple people comment how should, why don't I just get in the monoski? That's dangerous. It's this, it's that, you know? And to me, what I don't understand is why is it that wheelchair users, we have so few recreational outlets. Why are people saying, no, you shouldn't do that. Do even less, you know? And to me, it makes no sense. I don't understand it, but. So let's, uh, we're going to look at, I think this is the, is this the hoverboard or is this, uh, oh no, we got the, it's a snowboard, all right. Yeah, yeah, that was literally the first time I tried it, the, the first day. Wow, and that's one where you don't have a break. You know, no break. Your break is you, you have gotta, to stop the same way that everybody gotta, else you does. You gotta make the turn. Oh. And, and I've experimented with different versions of this. You know, I could do a lot more with this. My biggest problem is, you know, you really need a bunch of ABs to help you out to do this kind of stuff, you know? And, and I don't really ski that much. I ski like five, six times a year. So now when I go skiing, I'm just going skiing. Um, but a, a lot of, uh, of trying to make stuff, you kind of, it, it's helpful, you know, if you got people to help you and her into it and depending where you are, you know, I mean, that's just the reality of stuff. Oh yeah, no, most definitely. That's, uh, that's, I mean, and, and you end up learning something cause it, it's not like you're, you're, you're applying a similar, a similar concept to a variety of different right. environments. Exactly. A variety of exactly. Different and, and they're related. And that's the thing, because a carved turn on a skateboard is similar to a carved turn on a ski, which is similar to a carved turn on, on a snowboard. And, and they work with, you know, as you said, in the turn, it's about the balance of, of, of speed and turn radius, right? Like, and, and how much angulation you get. All of those factors come together. So there's multiple factors which makes that turn. And, and that's, what's, that's what's cool about it. And if you if it if it was really easy, then it's like you know I mean it's easy to get in a car and drive around, but it's kind of boring unless you're you know riding a race car. You know once you're able to drive and turn, like it's not that exciting, you know. Right. No. Exactly. No. It's it's, it's useful. That's right. that's pretty much it. Exactly. So so one of the things I wanted to talk about, and I think this would be a, a great to bounce this off you, is um, you know about um, the different aspects of the brain. Now, I know that you're um, the woman that um, you have Donna. helped develop, Donna, yep. helped develop the name tags. Yep. Um, she's got her own little brain model. And my model is pretty much completely compatible with, with what she's got going on from what I've seen in, in a couple of videos. So I'm just going in a little bit different direction in that I'm looking at brain processing for performance. Um, mm -hmm. and one of the there's lots of different models on the brain right and we all know models are all wrong they're just teaching methods so um, mm -hmm. one of the nice models that i've seen talks about system one and system two are you familiar with the terminology system one and system two yes yes yeah. to okay. a certain extent I'm not an all expert. right so so system two is your is your cognitive brain like our, our prefrontal cortex well, you know it's our thinking brain system one um is is that brain that that processes things um, that 
in, 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 in a number of ways, but one of the things that it does for the purpose of performance is it can do things really quickly, right? Mm -hmm. so, right. so if you think about skiing, so um, a lot of people think about say, okay, you know, the ultimate um, thing is no mind, right? Like you're not thinking, right? You know, sure. so, so that is one way to think about it, but I, I, I like to take it a little bit beyond that because people think, okay, the ultimate is to not think about what you're doing, right? Now, let me ask you this question, okay? And we're going to use ski racing for a minute. So, so it's going to depend. So the performance really depends on, on, on what we're dealing with. So maybe when you're, uh, say if you're dancing by yourself and the environment doesn't change, you might be, you might need to think less with your, your with your conscious mind. But I'm going to ask you, when you're ski racing, are you thinking? You know, the, the intention is to do, my intention was always to do all of my thinking and training. Uh, that, that if I'm thinking while I'm racing, it, I mean, there certainly are times that I'm thinking. The ultimate is is to is to have. I, I consider it like teaching my body instinct, so so that so that I know how to react in right. certain so situations. So you're you're teaching system one, okay? So right. what you're saying is, okay, you're doing your thinking and training, and you're training system one. And a, a huge part of skiing is all system one because. When you're, when you're skiing, you have to react really fast, faster than you can think. Same thing mm -hmm. for skateboarding, think, same thing for mountain biking and so forth, right? So we all agree on that, but I'm taking to the second, I want you to think about this. When you're skiing and you're, and you mentioned this when you, in one of your videos you're talking about <clears throat> when you were learning, right? When you're skiing, you're looking down multiple gates, right? Sure, yeah, usually Why? two gates ahead. Why? Uh, you know, part of it is part of it is that's where you're going, but the other part of it is that technically it it helps you where where you, you know you you don't want to look you don't want to look where you're going because then everything follows your eyes. So if I look if I look to that next gate, then my head follows my my shoulders follow. And my shoulders then are not pointed down the hill; they're actually pointed across the hill. Okay. So, so it helps. It's, also, a, it's a technique trick. Yes, but I'm going to add to this. And you're probably not recognizing you're doing this when you're looking down the hill and, and racing or whatever it is on on train you're doing all sorts of math calculations you are looking mm -hmm. at that you're you're taking in consideration your speed there's bumps how fast can i hit this bump how, how will it launch me will it not you're constantly making calculations and adjustments so mm -hmm. you're doing sure. a lot of thinking and and this is this is my point here there is two things going on there's one, there's system one that is, is monitored, that, that is, is manipulating the ski so you don't fall over, right? But mm -hmm. system two is navigating. You're looking at gates, you're, you're, you're looking at your speed, right? You're, you're sort of a, a macro kind of thing. All right. of this stuff, right. So you have to think. So this idea that you don't think doesn't, it's you have to be able to do both. It's the same thing. So if you're free skiing and, and you're going down, right? And there's other skiers around or other, you're calculating how fast are they going? Are they going to turn? There's a bump. How fast do I go if I hit that bump? Am I going to launch 20 feet? Am I only going to go five feet, right? There's all sorts of mathematical formulas going on in your head. You're calculating, you're thinking, you're thinking all the time. And, sure. 
and the, the thing is, if you can use your system two to do that kind of navigating and not need system um, two tied up with system one, then you can really do a lot better. Now, when you're learning how to ski, everything is focused on not falling over, right? At your feet or 10 feet in front of you, right? So, so mm -hmm. a person like that is using their system, their system two is tied up completely with the aspect of skiing, right? And what is one of the problems that they have? When system, when, when system, when they're uh, thinking about what they're skiing, how does thinking about what you're skiing mess you up? Oh, it messes you up. I mean, one, one, it's exhausting because you're in conscious thought all the time. Right. Uh, but, but two, it's, it, I mean, I think it really gets more toward indecision too, right? You're thinking, you're like, okay, am I here? Am I in the right place? Am I doing the right thing? Am I not doing the right thing? And, and I think you put yourself in a, in, in a more challenging place. I'm not sure if that's the right answer. No, 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 it, it is. So, so one of the things is, is system two is too slow. System right. one just does. Okay. So when you're good enough and you've trained your system one, it just does. System two, so, so you're going to say, but Eric, didn't you just say about the navigating? Now, these are two different things. One is manipulating the ski dealing with the, the not with, with the actual functions of turning and not falling over and dealing with the with the bumps and so forth. Other is navigating. Right. It's it's different. Your your conscious brain is too slow to steer the ski, so to speak. Right? Like if you hit a bump, you've reacted. If you hit a patch of ice, you react before you even think about it and you're over it, right? And you're like, oh shit, that was a patch of ice back there. Glad I didn't fall. Right? And, right. and you've already, something, something handled it. That's system one. So system one is amazing in its ability to react very quickly. And again, it's the same thing, skateboard, mountain biking, whatever it is, you must train your system one. Um, but the problem is if you, the problem with system two is you're a thinker, right? And what is the, one of the things that we think about what how does thinking besides the indecision what else is that emotional aspect that destroys skiers oh i mean the emotional aspect is is am i doing it right am i doing it well uh you know am i safe am yeah, i going okay to expand hurt? on the am i expand on the am i it's so it starts with f what's that word f uh, i'm assuming e. that is fast yeah fear Fear. Fear. Yes. Fear. You know, fear is a huge is a huge part of it. And I think that that's that's the part of, of thinking that, that you really want to eliminate from your skiing. Right. Really. Exactly. Exactly. So fear is an emotion that affects your thinking brain. Right. And, and it mm -hmm. makes your thinking brain a lot worse. Now, think about this. If your skiing depends on your thinking brain and you're afraid, what happens? To your performance it goes down immensely it goes to yeah. shit and and you like high side and fall and hurt yourself right sure right yeah right so 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 the emo so fear so but you don't so you can eliminate if you have the ability to eliminate your emotion right so mm -hmm. in other words um what i'm trying to say is fear affects your thinking brain your system too it doesn't affect your system one because your system one 
just does, right? It just does. So if That's you, what it's supposed to do, yeah. exactly. So, so the, the, if you're able to make your system one work without, um, without depending on your system two, then fear is less likely to affect you. Does that make sense? No, I think I think that is no. That's a, that's a big deal. That that fear is less likely to affect, and that's really the ultimate goal for for any of these for any of these sports. I mean, it's it's really because because the fear the fear is the thing that makes you less aggressive. Right. It makes you it makes you it makes you pull back. Right. And so exactly. it makes you stiffen up. And and the thing is that then when you're then fearful, you you're more likely to get hurt exactly. than you are. And your fear is trying to keep you from getting hurt. Right, right, exactly. And, and so it's that sort of conundrum, right? Right, I, I completely agree. So a lot of people say, well, how do you deal with fear? So to me, if you think about fear, so I want you to think about when you're skiing. So, so let's think about the purpose of fear. The purpose of fear is in some ways to keep you safe. It is a warning, right? Fear warns you of a pending danger. Now, how do you experience fear? I, I think I, I probably experience it similar to other people is I see, you see the future. So we talked about the, the system to um, navigating, right? You see dangerous things and then you think about what might happen, right? Sure. So sure. if you're skiing close to a cliff, you're going to see in your head what would happen if you go over that cliff, right? You're going to, you see these things because that's what keeps you safe. Now you talk about someone who, so let's think about kids, you know? If you're a parent and you're walking behind your kid, your kid at their young age do, does not see all the dangers. They don't see the car, they're walking next to the, they, there's all sorts of dangerous stuff they literally don't see. But you as the parent walking behind them, wheeling behind them, see all the shit that could happen to them, right? You, you envision it happening. Now, that's what keeps people safe is our ability to imagine the future and imagine what might happen. So, so fear is a warning. You need fear. The thing is, when you're skiing and you're trying to you know, go down a trail and so forth, it doesn't do you any good as if every time you see a tree, you see yourself crashing into it, right? So, sure. and then people are like, okay, but then you can't just not think about it, right? Anymore, if you said to me, Eric, you know, just don't think about that sign that says one revolution behind me, right? Now I'm just staring at it all the time. You can't not think about something someone tells you not to think about. What you can do is try to replace the images that you see with, that are negative with more positive ones, right? So if you're going, you know, if you're going skiing, you know, down a, a steep slope and all, there's all these different terrains, you could see yourself crashing or you could see yourself being successful, right? You could see your, you could imagine how good it's gonna feel to hit that jump and land perfectly. You, so now you start for, you, you change your imagery to positive successful things, which crowd out that space full of, of the negative stuff. So you can't have an empty head because the negative images flood in. So you have to force them out. In, in with with you know you're literally forcing out forcing in positive imagery what that does is help con, helps to control your fear if you can control your fear 
then then all, you don't have those negative uh, um, cognitive effects from system two messing with your system one. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think you're talking about a few different things, right? I mean, I think that there's a there's a training effect with regard to with regard to fear. There's the visualization that you're talking about with regard to fear, seeing yourself being being successful. And there's also, I think there's there's the acknowledgement part of fear too, right? The fear fear is this sense of self-preservation, this thing right. that that is going to tell us, hey, this might be really unsafe right but you have to be able to say okay well the well the fear is that thing that that is preventing me potentially preventing me from doing whatever i want to do can i acknowledge whether it's good fear whether it's bad fear whether that fear can be can be a motivation as well right it's right. like okay you're telling me i can't do it you've you've heard you can't do this a lot you know like okay Okay, well, that seems like a good good motivating factor to push ahead and do exactly that. And I think that the, that some of it is some of it is is the system too, where we're where we're having the time where it doesn't happen in the moment, but we're having the time to think about our fear and have have a plan of visualization, have right, a, have right. a plan of of acknowledging that this is a potential issue. And is that for you with with what you've done with with all of these all of these different vehicles is it, it it does fear play play a part in in what you're doing fear of development fear of uh, fear of, of of bodily injury you know those kinds of fears fear of embarrassment that why did you spend so much time on something that was so stupid you know yeah i yeah so i'm gonna say that it's more fear of bodily injury and in in the beginning was more fear of embarrassment i will say that one of the things that cured me of, of the fear of embarrassment was um when i was first um longboarding so by my house with this really this nice rail rail to trail and it goes into lexington center and there's there's this intersection lexington center so i got to the intersections and i was like okay i'm just gonna wait here on my board till all the cars go and everyone's gone but of course, every car stopped, and I had to make a little bit of a tricky turn. So, of course, you can imagine. Here's I'm talking about fear and the stress, right? So, what is the worst thing you think is going to happen crossing a street? Of course, Upside I down. dump. Yeah. And you know, and when there's stopped cars, you know everybody gets out of their car, right? Like everyone's out, you know. So. Yes. After I crashed like that, and of course, I'm not worried about getting hurt like at that speed. Um, I was like, well, this is about as embarrassing as it's gonna get. So now that I've done this, I really can't do anything more embarrassing. So I can just put that aside. It's like, I'm done with the embarrassment. That was it. And now I can move on to, you know, fear, fear of crashing into stuff, which is, you know, always a realistic possibility. And, and you know, of course does happen. So, um, and you have a helmet and you have arm you have elbow yes. pads and knee pads and I and yes, I, I, I armor up and I strap in just like you'd strap in the monoski. And just like in a monoski, the last thing you want is your leg to fly out, right? right. Because what happens when you roll and your leg flies out? It's broken. You know? Right. It's the same thing. I strap in my feet, I strap on my knees, and I strap in my waist. So I have a nice roll cage. I have uh um motocross knee pads you know so that they're they don't move they're plastic and they, and they have a bend in it and then elbow pads and and a helmet you know so 
uh, you know, I've, I've taken a lot of tumbles. Um, you know, I've rolled my, I, when I was out and doing that long bike ride in Iowa, I got the speed wobbles. Um, are you familiar with the speed wobbles? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the speed wobbles are really hard to, <clears throat> once you get it, you get to a certain speed and there's vibration and you just start to go back and forth like this. And at that time, since I was going a long trip, I had a, uh, a knapsack on my back and I had, um, some batteries on my feet, which made me even more unstable. If you think about it a little bit like a, a seesaw. So once I, and at that time I had a, um, a longboard with only one motor. Now I have two. One motor means one brake. One brake means that when you hit the brake, it hits one side. So I braked, which induced the speed wobbles. I knew I was screwed, but I already had this planned out in my head because I knew that, I, you know, I already planned out, okay, Eric, if you get the speed wobbles somewhere out on this ride, you're going to ride off the road. You're not, you know, you're like, yeah, I already pictured what I needed to do. So I got the speed wobbles. And there was a biker right behind me, and I could hear him going, oh, shit, oh, shit. So I knew I was like, oh, this must look bad, because he's, like, saying that, you know. Anyhow, so rode off, you know, down a huge embankment, rolled multiple times. Um, but again, this is Iowa, you know, beautiful grass and nothing hard. So it was super dramatic, but, you know, in no way did I get hurt. Um, but my, I guess my point is, one preparation beforehand like have a plan if you get the speed wobbles this is your plan right i already thought about that so and preparation in in having all the equipment and stuff <clears throat> so that that i didn't go splatter you know so it was a controlled role more or less exactly so, let me make one comment and then ask you another question so dave gillespie actually said that talking about system one and system two, that his music teacher's mantra is the beginners practice so that they won't make mistakes. Mac, masters practice till they can't make mistakes. And I think that's, that's a similar kind of thing to what you're talking about. For, so with all this stuff you're doing, I mean, your stuff, your stuff is, is super exciting. It's, it's a little bit different. And some of that stuff of like, okay, well, what's he doing? I mean, we might even be able to show the, the, the video of you going through on the hoverboard, going through your porch and, and avoiding all the furniture. You seem to do it relatively well. It's good that it's your house, that if you were doing this in your mother's house, you might get in more trouble. What, what do you consider your role to be? What, what is your role within this community? Well, I, I don't know what my role is, but one of the things that I'm, I'm really trying to do is promote um, you know, mobility. Um, for wheelchair users. And, and one of the things that I found is that there's just, there is so much more that can be done. Um, and and it, it is that I think in general, you know, all the mobility stuff that comes out for wheelchair users to me is at a pretty low level of performance. There's stuff is slow, it's not super maneuverable. And, and we as wheelchair users have come to accept a pretty low standard and thinking that we can't do better and i'm trying to say no we can there's a lot more that we can do you know i'm just like i, I again i'm a hack if i can hack stuff together like what about people who really have lots of you know mechanical knowledge and know-how and access you know to to technology and development you know what could they come up with and as a practical matter you know they come up with stuff 
like, you know, everyone raves about the smart drive, but to me, that is slow and low performance and it costs six, $6,000, you know? Able-bodied people can buy stuff for hundreds of dollars that it's so much higher performing. Why are we stuck with so, you know, low performing and super expensive? Right, so and really to not, not be constrained by the present paradigm. I mean, it's interesting. There's, I've, I, on Facebook, I, I've looked at a, um, they have a history of wheelchair racing. And it's interesting to see like what these guys were doing back in the, back yeah. in the day where they were, you know, where, where, was, where they were literally racing hospital chairs, where they were yeah. racing 60, 65 pound stainless steel E&J hospital chairs. And then they started getting, you know, get, putting on a junior push ring so that you could effectively be in like fifth gear, but they still had, you know, the speed wobbles, the shopping cart wobbles on their, on their front casters. And, 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 and then you get to, and you progress and you see some of the stuff now that is, you know, that, you know, you get some of the carbon fiber, you get the super aerodynamic kind of stuff. You get, you get some of these incredible times and speeds and stuff like that. And, and, and I think we do need that paradigm shift. And some of it was we're stuck in the paradigm shift, you know, stuck by rules, by the paradigm shift, but also right. stuck by the, by the industry, but also stuck by, by our thinking. And it sounds like what you're saying is that a lot of the technology is already out there. Right. Exactly. That, that's exactly my point. It already is. And it's cheap. It, able-bodied technology is super cheap if you can tap into it. So, you know, another thing I've been using is just um, a three-wheeled uh, scooter. Um, it's called a cycle board. It's a lean to steer, which I can just hop on. And again, these are existing, you know, um, things that are not meant for wheelchair users, but they take slight uh, adaptations. But, you know, if you can tap in to able-bodied, mass-produced, cheap consumer stuff, you can do a lot. And, and, and it's not limited. In other words, if you make it a wheelchair thing, it goes five, six miles an hour. You know, that is slow. And it's right? expensive, yes. And it's super expensive. I don't want to go that slow and I don't want to pay that much, you know? And, and here's the thing. I also like to do different things. I'm not looking for the one, and this is the thing that pisses me off about, you know, people are like, oh, this is, here's the one chair. It's going to do everything for you, right? I don't want one chair that can do everything for me. What I have to, because that would be boring. I like to do different things in different vehicles that, you know, in different terrains. I want, I like to switch it up. And, and so sometimes I like electric power and sometimes I don't, you know, it just depends on what you're trying to do. Right. I mean, that's the thing, you know, electrical cysts are great, but I don't want to use it all the time. I want to use it sometimes for certain things and not for others. It just depends. So, I mean, I, what I'm trying to strive for is, is just, you know, show people there's a lot of stuff that, that we can do if we start thinking this way and also being more open. And I'm going to say, you know, and don't shut down someone who comes up with an idea because maybe it looks stupid at, at the time, but who knows what it could do in the future. Like, we don't know. So we should be, yeah. you know, celebrating different stuff instead of saying oh that's dumb oh someone's already got that like why bother you know someone comes up with a new front wheel and they're like oh you know there's already a free wheel why are you doing that you know look up you get on on amazon and you put out any product 
you'll see hundreds of different variations of that product. But somehow in the disability world, if one thing already exists like that, people are like, well, why do that? There's another one out there. To me, that's just ridiculous. And I, I don't know why we stand for that. Exactly, because we should continue to progress. The one thing I, I want to see before we go is let's see the skimboard. This is pretty, pretty crazy. <laughs> this is at Hampton Beach, I'm assuming, right? Uh, this, is, this is actually at York Beach with AntSurf. Um, okay. Helping me out, and uh, yeah. So I said again, this is these are these are all set up with the same idea. You know, you create a wheel well, you put it on a mobility device. This time, the power is coming from some some guy pulling me, right? So again, I I, I, I wanted to try this out. Um, there, there's so many things that can be done, you know, in a chair using that wheelie thing. Some are more practical than others, but here's the thing, you know. Does it matter if you're skimboarding or surfing? Like the idea is movement, right? Fun movement. So who cares how you do it as long as you have fun doing it? And, and also to me, you know, these are, and I'm gonna say, you know, for us, now that we're in our 50s, we gotta keep stretching our brain. Because if we don't, it's gonna get hard, crusty, and, you know, shrink. So, you know, we need to do things that, that are, are keep trying to learn new things, you know? I mean, that's why I wanted to, I learned to juggle. It's the same thing. Like you learn, you keep trying to learn different things and it, it keeps your brain flexible, you know? You, we don't want to get stuck just doing the same thing because, you know, we're going we're gonna to lose our creativity. I, I agree with you. And I think that you hit on some great points right there because one is the idea of having fun. I mean, why are you doing this? because I want to have a good time. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a challenge as well, but you want to have a good time. And, and, and that flexibility, that maintaining the flexibility in our brain flexibility and, and our, our kinesthetic flexibility, right? Our ability to move, it's not all the same movement. And, and it's nice to shock your body at times to, 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 to force it to learn something else, to create a new set of skills that, that then you'll, you'll, we have an amazing ability to adapt. We figure out how to do things relatively quickly, but we have to force ourselves. We have to get out of our comfort part in order to continue to learn. And when I was looking, when I was doing some of the research on you beforehand, I was, I was looking at it going, huh, I've got, I've, I've got to get going here. Like this is, Eric is doing some absolutely amazing things. And it's so easy to get caught in our comfort zone. I go out and ride on my hand cycle every day, you know, and it's like, okay, I know what I'm doing, but, but to do something else is really, is really the cool part of stretching our brain. So thank you. There are just, there are just some activities like skiing, like skateboarding that, that lend themselves to an infinite amount of improvement. Right, you can never be too good. You, you you just you just keep improving if you keep pushing it. But there are other things. You know, I was just using my braces today. You know, I use my braces. I don't know, a number of times a week, and I just walk in circles. Right, and I've been doing this for you know thirty odd years. These are years. straight leg braces. Yeah, yeah, braces with a walker. I am no better. And nothing improves. You know, I, I am just clunking along. There's it's all system two. It's so slow right? There's no flow. There's minimal, there's no balance. There's none of everything that you, you can feel skiing. I'm not feeling on braces, you know, I'm just doing it to stand up. But what I'm saying is no improvement, no, you know, 
it's not a complex motor skill that you can keep chunking and get better at. You're just, I'm just stuck where, where, where I'm at, you know? So it's great for me physiologically, right? It's great to stand up, but right. it's not a complex motor skill and it's just not going to be. Exactly, exactly. So let's let's uh, let's let you out on this. What what's next? I mean, you kind of you have a bit of this mad scientist kind of uh, kind of persona going. Is is there something that's on the horizon? I you know I, I I'm going to stack on my on my land board all my batteries. I think I get twelve of them, and I want to see how far I can go. You know, I'm just going to turn it into a giant battery. And then just go, and I, you know, I, I'm actually, yeah, and I, I think that uh, that I can set some kind of clearly, I can set a record because nobody else, you know, other than Evan, you know, um, who's much, who is faster than me. I think if I get a lot of batteries, I, I can set a record for like the longest distance, you know, certainly the longest wheelchair skateboarding distance, you know. So I, I want to do that. I want to see how far I can, I can go, you know. Because I think part of showing that a mobility thing is actually practical, it's it's a, it's a few things. One, how fast does it go, right? Like we all care about speed, right? 20, 30 miles an hour, great. But you know, if you can go, if you say you can go 50 miles, people are like, whoa, that's you can go 50 miles? Wow, you know, 60 miles, 70 miles. I don't know how many miles I can go with 12 batteries. I'm gonna figure that out. Maybe it's a hundred, I don't know. Uh, and then and then it's maneuverability, right? So if you've got all three, you have a real a practical thing. Speed, right. distance, mobility, so. Will you do this as, a, you know, will you create a story around this? Will you do it as a fundraiser or something? Will, can we uh, you know, follow you? I, I don't know, sometimes to me, it, it's just a lot of effort. I just like to get my shit together and just like do it, you know? So may, maybe it will, maybe it won't, it just depends. A lot of times it's just easier just to do and not make a big deal about it, just do it, you know? There, there is that, you know? If we can follow you, please let us know. We yeah. will, we'll, you know, we'll reach out to the other people who are out there. And uh, so cool to see how you're, you're kind of bending our imagination a little bit and forcing us to look at some things that we thought were, were static and, and really, really are dynamic and changing it from, from, from that stationary set to, to, to active motion and, and, really really cool so keep up the great work thank you for joining us it's great to see you after so long and and uh yeah keep it up man look forward to following you on facebook and everybody can follow you yeah sounds great all right thanks for having me guys all right all right thanks eric take care